Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 8-Bit Salt Pit. I am the salt. And I am the pit. Oh, the that pit was nice. The pit of despair. Uh, tonight, we're continuing on our topic of D&D. Um, unfortunately, I came woefully unprepared, but I think Corey's got a few ideas for us. I have a few things to talk about, yeah. And, you know, we can always spitball. When it comes to D&D, there's always so many things to talk about, whether it be our personal experiences or just D&D as a whole. Um, and I... I I really wanted to kick off this episode with talking about some some interesting items you can find in D&D. Um, of course, with any type of homebrewed content, you're at your heart's whim with what you want to put into your campaign. You can obviously add all sorts of crazy artifacts and items for your players to find. But I... I <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You were talking earlier about the Wanda Wonders. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but the first thing that popped in my head was the scrote of many things. The scrote of many things. I like <laughs> As that. As a homebrew item. <laughs> um, and actually, I want to get off topic immediately. And oh, yeah. scrote of many things, for some reason, scrote of many things made me think of um, a creature in D&D that I have not yet been able to take advantage of and put in my campaigns. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of the Bagman. The Bagman, yes. The Bagman. Um, so the Bagman is basically... The, um, he's basically a boogeyman of the D&D universe. And the the premise, hat man's third cousin. The hat man's third cousin, the bag man. Um, there's all sorts of different superstition and um, how I want to say, like a mythos to how the bag man came to be. And the the most popular um, kind of kind of story going around is that uh, there's a party of adventurers that um, got in a fight they couldn't win. Everybody died. There's one person left and not wanting to die, like, you know, most people. Um, he escaped into his bag of holding. and <laughs> Which is a pocket dimension for those that don't know. Yeah, it's a pocket dimension. And it's rumored that all bag of holdings somehow are interconnected. You know, of course, if you have one bag of holding, it's not like you're going to put your hand in and grab someone else's loot. But there is kind of the idea that um, they're connected somehow. And so the Bagman escapes into his pocket dimension and is never heard from again at all. So, you know, the, once the battle was settled, they they couldn't find the guy. They found all of his stuff. They found his bag of holding, but not him. And apparently what can happen to people is if they leave their bag of holding out at night, um, a mysterious, distorted, gross entity can come and attack and that is the bagman he's traveled through the bags <laughs> and kind of that's why i got i got that correlation you're talking about the scrote of many things and i was like bag so <laughs> speaking of correlations um you're talking about bagman and all, mm -hmm. I, all I can think of from here is uh i think it's charlie day the nightman or yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah from uh it's always sunny in yeah. philadelphia and so. that's just the bagman yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the night man who's Mac, and then there's the day man who is Charlie Day. Oh, okay. Uh, or maybe I have them reversed. I don't know. It's been a minute, but <laughs> I love that show. It's super funny. Um, but yeah, so really cool character, um, enemy, even boss. You know, you could tweak the stats and make it imagine just like everyone's trying to take watch, everything's fine. And then, nope, the bag man's strangling one of your sleeping party <laughs> members. Maybe you should have kept watch better. Um, but yeah, there's also, of course, the. Um, the staff wand whatever of wonders and um what that is is basically every time you cast it uh the dm rolls a right you could have the player roll it whatever yeah uh, a d100 and um there's several different effects of course and whatever you roll that's what happens and most of them are absolutely ridiculous and stupid almost none of them are useful yeah not it's interesting because most of them are not useful um a lot of them are hindrances and um, I took it a step further in one of my campaigns, and I had an item that you rolled. Um, basically, it was interesting. You rolled a d10, and then you rolled d100, and that was um, it was a thousand um, different options. So you rolled d10, like which digit of the thousands mm -hmm. it is. So if you rolled a seven, it's seven thousand, and then you rolled the d100, so it's seven thousand ninety-eight, <laughs> um, and that was really crazy. I bet actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that doesn't work. I bet that was quite... No, 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 that that works. No, because you roll a 7, and then, let's see, how are you going to get 800? You'd have to roll a... 80 on a D100, and then you would just count that as 800. 
Oh, and then you have to roll it again for the. Yeah. Okay, so I w- I probably I don't know I had a way of doing it that obviously no, that's fine. is probably the wrong way, but anyways, it was a lot of redundant effects. Like a good example is like you grow grass out of yourself. Oh no! And then the next ten of them, it's like no, you grow grass out of the next person to your left. You grow <laughs> grass out of like someone ten feet away from it, so on, so on. Um, but I, I like that the D, the original Wand of Wonders is the D one hundred because. There's a lot more variation, but probably the funnest effect I've ever seen, um, again, from the D1000, basically, one, is um, the player's skin basically turns into the gingerbread man. It rips off of their body and starts running away from them, like, me, 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 you can't catch me. <laughs> and that led to such a funny moment. Oh, my God. Um, that that was early days of my DMing career, and um, that's obviously very unrealistic because I just I was like, yeah, you're... Your body's very sensitive right now because it doesn't have skin. When where realistically, you probably just straight up die. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I didn't want to do that to the player. <laughs> Your skin rips off and runs away, and uh, you're dead. The the wand of wonders. I think my favorite um, favorite effect that I've seen was they could only speak in bubbles. What? So basically, whenever they opened their mouth, bubbles came out. Okay, and so but you order, have to pop the bubble. So in order for them to, uh, no, 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 like that's just all. It just was bubbles that came out. So the player, in order for them to RP, they basically had to for the next hour of the session or whatever go and so, try to communicate what they were saying. I see, it'd be really good to have uh, sign language at that point. <laughs> Everybody understands sign language. They know ASL. Yeah. Somehow. Um, but yeah, that that's a really fun item, and uh, you know, infinite possibilities. It's just with bonkers. That. I mean. Honestly, and you you get to choose how many charges it gets. I mean, I think the average is like three. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think you and I have both done this to where we really don't give the players a choice of when it's cast. You had mm-hmm. a you had a Neil's a, necklace, a necklace that once he put it on, it couldn't be removed. So it's like you're stuck with that. And then at random times, he would activate it. Um, and I also had that where it was still a staff, but it would fire at random times. So if he if someone had it on their back, it would still go off. <laughs> Um, and so that was because no one's realistically ever going to really want to cast that once they realize what it is, they're like, I'm not, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. I mean, unless they're going, unless they're really hoping for luck on that, like 100 roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then. And so really, uh, that, that's a really good one. I, I enjoyed a lot. Um, and then probably one of the most popular, uh, legendary items that, um, I enjoy in D and D is the deck of many things. And then I believe there is the deck of many more things. Right? Yes. Um, I believe the deck of many things is what lost my character all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to tell the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, basically the last campaign that uh, I was running, Richard, was a player who was in the campaign prior. And so had he had a few things. He had a magical axe. He also had... Um, he basically was a lord of goblins. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a goblin king. And so... If you want me to tell the whole story, long story short, um, this fae creature promised them assistance if they wanted, if they played the game with her. And simply the game is literally pulling things from the deck of many things because this fae is just kind of an asshole and just wants to see bad things happen to people. Um, let's backtrack a little bit and kind of explain what the deck of many things is. It's basically tarot for D&D, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's just a deck of cards um, that are heavily, heavily enchanted. Um, And I would say a good slightly over half of them are very bad, very bad cards. Um, Of course, there are really good cards. I believe there is one card that gives you how many wishes? Just one? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, you can just pull a card and instantly get a wish. Amazing. That's phenomenal. There's one where you, um, you instantly gain access to a property that you own, and it's like a castle. But, of course, there's the gimmick that this castle is overrun with fiends. So you, you're going to have to fight him. Um, there's one where death shows up and and fights you. It's not literally death. It's like a death-like entity. Um, and it, it it has to fight you one-on-one. It declares that it's fighting you one-on-one. And if anyone tries to intervene and help, it summons another one that fights them. That's and amazing. It it is amazing, and I can only imagine what would happen if that was summoned, and then just like a whole village was like, "Oh, we got your back!" And now suddenly, <laughs> everyone in the village is like fighting their own 
like visage of death did <laughs> visage so the mental image of that is fantastic like especially <laughs> if the village is that helpful that everybody's like yeah no yep. we're gonna we're gonna have your back and then it, just everybody yeah is. These, these are our local heroes like we are going to put life and limb to save them and guess what they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna lose life and limb yeah sure. now they're all squaring off with the personification of death which is terrifying yeah it's it's pretty strong um so and I, I think at that point you guys would probably have been strong enough to deal with it if one of you guys uh, encountered it but um that being said i it would still be so difficult and if you guys don't know if, like hypothetically the the death entity doesn't have to say oh this is one-on-one right yeah i think that would be fair though to do yeah. that i mean it's it's really up to the dm at that point how how death wants to handle it <laughs> that's like that's like now you, you guys just do it you can just point point at the player that drew it you know he's like just stares at him like <laughs> you motherfucker um <laughs> But yeah, I, I just the deck of many things is really cool, and then of course, like I was saying earlier, there's the deck of many more things, which just adds more cards. Um, it's it's so fun, just like kind of going off the wall and thinking of the different things you can get. Uh, Richard, so he got a few of them. Um, like again, one of them was basically you lose all of your earthly possessions, um, and so fortunate for him, he doesn't really wear armor. Yeah, we've we've talked about Tunican in the past. Um, so he basically was like in a barely a loincloth anyways, uh, but he did lose his axe and he lost his title, which that was like, that was an instance of why you should never piss off the DM. Um, because basically Richard was like, oh, I didn't really lose anything. I just lost an axe. I can always find another axe. And I was like, you motherfucker. And I was like, you want to play this game with me? <laughs> I was like, this is supposed to be a punishment. And so I was like, you know what? His lordship over the goblins is now gone too. And you, you know. Don't Amazing. Piss off, don't piss off your DM, man. I was like, yeah, no, no. It's, it's it's like don't piss off your waiter and cook, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. it tastes fine. No, you added extra salt. Good. <laughs> yeah. What's the salt? Oh God. It's, yeah, yeah. So, be nice to your DM. You know, it's a, it's like one of those classic. Like there should be a list. An un, there's there is an unspoken list, but I think top of the list is um, never say a fight was too easy. Um, yeah, no, that's, uh, never, ever fucking say that because, you know, a lot of times DMs want to make you feel powerful. And so they'll intentionally throw you easier fights. And then the next fight after saying that's like this ungodly. Yeah. It's like, oh man. Oh man. Yeah. An, an HP Lovecraft Eldritch fucking <laughs> like abomination is just spawned outside right. of this block of cheese. You, you just killed these 10 goblins. Oh man, that was easy. Oh yeah. And they had, you know, the ring to summon Tiamat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there a ring that summons Tiamat? No, it's just. Oh. You got my hopes up. No, that would be stupid. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and and lore-wise, I don't think Tiamat would be summoned. I think she's too prideful. Well, and see, that's the thing in in like the, in the lore of things is like you hypothetically can summon like demons if you know their name. Mm-hmm. Like they, they will get summoned against their will, which obviously you don't want to do, right? I mean, if... <laughs> yeah, because they don't have to deal with you. They just have yeah, to show up. Oh, yeah, they just have to show up. So if they're busy knitting their grand demon... <laughs> a sweater um and you interrupted the sweater time like you're gonna get your ass fucking pummeled literally (laughs) in some cases you know what i'm saying i just i like how the demon is uh, the the visualization of the demon knitting his grand demon a sweater and it's just gonna be like this little crochet you know there's horns on it but it's like all cutesy lettering yeah Yeah, i I picture like the the, this like arch demon that has like curls in their hair and they have like (laughs) they have like a pink smock on and like their reading glasses Oh, that's amazing. And they have a little, like, demon shit on their knee. <laughs> and then suddenly just... In, in, the, in the material world. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, poor choice. Yeah, that's what that's the weapons it's going to be using against these, those knitting needles. Ooh, brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for those... I, I actually mentioned last session, you know, any demonic weapons, if they roll a nat 20, it decapitates you. <laughs> Imagine those knitting needles. Oh, my God. <laughs> roll a nat 20 and just, like, the demon decapitates you with knitting needles. Um, I digress. The yeah, sorry, things. we got a little off track there. Um, another good one is uh, it's called Don John, which mm-hmm. is a really comical name because there's a movie that came out called Don John with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right? Yes, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he, the whole point of that movie, I haven't watched it, but I know the synopsis is basically he's like a dude bro who works out a lot and um, he struggles to find a relationship because he has a severe crippling porn addiction. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know if... I think it's a comedy. Like uh, a, romance, it's, it's, a romance comedy. Yeah, of. it's like a dramedy. 
And so anytime I, and the name of the movie is Don John. And so anytime someone pulls the Don John card, I'm like, I just imagine that it makes them like furiously <laughs> masturbate. <laughs> you pull the card. He's like, no, right. The guards show up. They're like, stop. He's like, I can't. <laughs> I'm cursed. It's like, you're cursing everybody else by having them see this. Um, but anyways, the Don John card, it, it takes you and puts you in an, a prison that's like basically like inescapable. a pocket, inescapable um, pocket dimension prison. Like, and you can't even, you, the only way you can find it is with a wish spell and you can't even remove them. You can't get a wish spell and say, I want our ombre to be out of Donjon. No, you can't. The <laughs> only thing you could do is find out where it is. That happened to Richard in, I believe the first, if not the second session of my yeah. campaign. And I fucking pitied him so hard. And so I, um, I basically, he was out for a session and then they ended up finding him. But, um, that one was, that one I felt really bad about that. It's all about learning as a DM in D and D what you should and should not do. The idea of putting the deck of many things in one of the first, um, sessions is fun, but then, you know, you accidentally just lose a character right off the bat. It's not fun. <laughs> um, there's so many learning experiences as a as a dm of just like what to do and what not to do and no one can just no one can hold your hand right you can read all the books you can run a session um that's straight out of the books but you're gonna fuck up and i think that's the biggest takeaway that i could give you um talking about dnd and dming is you will fuck up end of story you cannot it's not possible it you can even be the best friends with everybody Pro, there's going to be problems and you're the, the best bet is just to learn from it um, and hope that your group is willing to deal with those problems when they yes, happen. Yes, exactly. It's all about patience and communication. Just like any relationship, it's all about communication. Your relationship with your uh, with your spouse, your relationship with your players, your relationship with everything. Communicate, communicate. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you're you're gonna mess up, but you just kind of gotta jump into it and find and feel your own way. Absolutely. Uh, Corey, yeah. uh, we got really off topic here because we were talking about magic items. And no, we, we were, were talking about Don John, and then I got philosophical. It's, it's okay, all yeah, for, correlated. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> the correlations are real. Yeah. Um, but there is something that I wanted to bring up, and I don't know why this popped in my head. I think real, it's just because we're talking it, about Keep it in your head because I, I want to hear, but also I have one more card I want to talk about that I haven't been able to use. No one's pulled it. Okay. okay. But basically, um, it's similar to the death card where basically something shows up and is like, all right, your ass is grass. But it's, it's a bit more nefarious. Um, if you pull this card, I can't remember the name of it, but basically an, a very powerful demon somewhere in the many realms becomes aware of your presence and fucking hates you. <laughs> and so he, and he won't outright try to kill you. His goal is to make your life absolutely fucking miserable. And then when you're on your lowest of lows, then he will come to kick your ass. And I think that is the funniest fucking thing. Like, <laughs> I have a really good uh, another correlation. Yeah, throw um, at me. I know you're not a Marvel comic book reader. No, but there's this uh, like mini adventure about Thanos in the Marvel mm-hmm. comics. Yeah, and he just picks this random human boy born one day, and he makes his life hell every yeah. year on his. No, birthday. okay, I know, I do know about this. I watch enough like YouTube shorts to like learn a bunch of this random shit. Oh, and okay. also I Chad. Our good friend Chad, um, he is very much into the comics, and he's read a lot of it. And so he's like a book of lore when it comes to that. So I've had extensive conversations with him. But that's what that reminds me of. Yeah, ex- exactly. Where, <laughs> this, Yeah, he just picks a random dude. It's like on his birthday, right? Yeah, he it's was, the he, day he's born, and he just picks this random child. And he's like, fuck And every you. year on, your, on his birthday, he shows up and just makes it the worst day ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For no reason other than Thanos is bored. And that's what I think the demon is doing. Yeah, basically, yeah. He's just like, man, fuck this guy. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's got the naughty list, and it's like highlighted in blood. Um, but anyways, yeah. What was your what was your thought, or was that it? No, 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 no. That wasn't yeah. it. Um, so we were talking about magical weapons, and I had the joy of playing in one of your earlier campaigns as Shale Gorath from uh, the Elder yes. Scrolls series. Excellent. And I felt like uh, Wanda Wonder, mm-hmm. the Wabajack, as a person, like. Because mm-hmm. I just kept getting to put these people through these, like, starting awful scenarios, and then yeah. it's just, like, stupid. Yeah, I, I really think the Gummy that. Sharks was my favorite. Yeah, so a bit of backstory, basically. I was, this was one of my earlier campaigns where I was still admittedly a very shitty DM. But I was like, you know what would be fun? 
to have Richard like do a guest star DM session. And so basically the the session started and I was like, all right, um, you know, you guys touched the stone. Oh, no, it was an opium den. Yeah. That's what happened. So yeah. they smoked. A skooma den. It was a skooma den. It, this was based in Skyrim, of course, Sheol, Garath, and Elder Scrolls, if you couldn't tell already. They basically ended up smoking this magical opium or skooma rock, <laughs> air quotes, um, and it transported them into Sheol Garath's realm. And so basically at that point I muted my mic and Mr. Sheol Garath himself, Richard, um, took the reins of everything. And it was actually really fun. Um, Richard was doing the Sheol Garath voice, which is basically like a leprechaun like yeah. on crack. <laughs> um like they they ended up showing up into this realm in the middle of the ocean, and there's sharks attacking them. But it turns out the sharks are like made out of like gummy, mm-hmm. and so they like went like dun dun dun, and then it went to attack, and it, they just like bounced off of them like a balloon. <laughs> like boof. Um, re- it's really fun. That's a really fun concept, and I I haven't seen that before. Someone doing like a guest star DM, and I understand why you wouldn't want that to happen. If you're going to do that, I feel like you definitely need to have it. Um, like in a pocket dimension, yeah. you know, in like their own realm because well, I mean, you would have to do that because otherwise you have to have severe rules and boundaries. Yeah, exactly. And then the DM doesn't even know what's going on in the campaign. Yeah. So he's just like, I'm just going to do some crazy shit <laughs> and just derail everything. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was, that was really fun. And thank you again for doing that. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm f- I had a blast, uh, playing that character. It just goes back to, um, learning as a DM. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the best thing you can do is watch other people DM. Um, you know, again, we've mentioned critical role before. Well, and a hundred percent, not even like just critical role or like Harmon's quest is another great one. Um, but just like your friends or go down to the local comic book shop when they have a D and D night and join in a game. You're they're always free. There's always people bringing in new players and it gives you a great concept for the game with a bunch of experienced, welcoming people. Yep. Just take, Take what you see, take what you like and disregard the rest. Yeah, because um, there's there's a lot of people, especially people who like to go to comic book stores and get like a pug group going, um, which is basically like a bunch of random people. They suck. Like not in a, <laughs> not in like a they're bad type of way, but like they're rude or mean and vindictive. Or there's always that one guy who has the super edgy like emo character who's like, oh, my parents died. Dude, I, it's always solid snake. Dude. <laughs> God, you're right, it is. But it's like, oh, my parents died, and I lurk in the shadows. I'm normally a lone wolf. But today, I'm, I guess I'm going to help you. And they're always a rogue or some other edgy shit like that. And, um, and so, so I, I feel like that description you just made kind of vilifies those comic book store games, and they're not yes, all like that. Yes. No, I, in my experience, so I, I'm like a weird type of nerd where I'm kind of elitist and like... Because I li- I would like to think of myself as like a well situated human being. Sure. And when I approach someone at like a comic book store where they're like very clearly not well adjusted, you know, maybe like the, you know the kind of type that maybe they smell a little bit bad. The lady. They're yeah, they're definitely like living in their parents' basement. Like I am, I am more than willing to be kind to them, but more often than not, they are so fucking rude. And like I understand, like it's because maybe they're not well adjusted or maybe they fucking um you know they're autistic or something but i i can't stand it it drives me fucking up the wall um and so i'm like <laughs> i turn up my nose i'm a little bit of a of a wiener when it comes to that and so i apologize i don't claim to be a nice guy when it <laughs> I, I i guess what i'm saying is go into it with an open mind um but Corey's right take what you like leave it, what you don't take everything with a grain of salt is all i'm trying to say it, it is an a wonderful resource for you. It's a font of knowledge. So I did, there was one other thing that you kind of touched on that I wanted to bring up and it's something that I hate in players and DMS alike. And it's, it's kind of the one thing that annoys me the most. It's the power trip or the, uh, mm-hmm. what's the main character called? The, what do you mean? The protagonist protagonist. So mm-hmm. it's either, if you're a player, it's the protagonist. And if you're a DM, it's the power trip. Yeah. I hate both of those. The people that really want to be like, I'm the main character of this game. You're just my side people. Drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. And the DM that's like, no, you can't do this. This is my game. You're burnt. Well, so a really good example of this is a Reddit story I read uh, a long time ago. But basically the premise was um, this character had, like, the whole party had a really strong bond with, like, it was like a pet a pet bear or something. The guy was, like, a ranger or a druid or some shit. Sure. And um, almost for no reason and just, like, you know, 
took the player agency out of it. Like they didn't have a, a way to defend it. They like killed the bear. Oh, like no. very grisly and very like they skinned the bear. Like a bunch of goblins showed up in the middle of the night and like skinned the bear. Sure. And it that's so fucking evil. Yeah, it is. Um and that's I guess what I'm getting at is that if you're ever going to DM, the best perspective from my point of view is that it's not your game. It's your player's game and you're the storyteller. Yes, exactly. It's and you know, I, I think that really people take that to their head. You know, it's it's nobody's game, I would even say. You know, it's not the players, it's not yours. You're building a book together. You know, yeah. you're writing a book and you're nobody is everybody is a writer, a co writer, you know. Um Yeah, that's it's it's so magical, D and D. Yes, it, it it really is. And and you know, this sounds like we're dogging on it. D and D is probably one of the best games, mm-hmm. tabletop or virtual, that I have played. Of course, it's all your imagination. And I still have coworkers at my job um, that are like, you know, they're like, "Oh my god, you guys are speaking another language." Because I have coworkers that I play D and D with, and it's like, no, we're not. You know, and they're like, "Oh, that's a kids game." And it's like, no, it's not. It's not fucking satanic. It's not satanic panic. It's not a kids game. The the cool thing about D and D is that it changes as you change as a person. So as a kid, obviously, it can be all childlike, rainbows and horses or whatever, what have you. Um, but as an adult, you can you can do anything. It's it's a a game for everybody. So and, a big part of that, and it's it's not even just as a kid and an adult, but a big part of that that really stood out to me was uh, what you just said there, like rainbows and horses and that type of thing. When I first started D and had this like power trip, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be that big badass. You know, like you play in a video game, you are the main character. Yeah. And as I've aged and I, you know, played more games and had more groups, now as a player, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. You yeah. guys do what you're gonna do. I'm just gonna tag along. You know, I'll mm-hmm. give you an idea here or there. Yeah. Um. You know, kind of in that same vein of miserable, like loathsome characters, is the bard that's always trying to bang everything. Oh my god. Yeah. So. As a DM, I think I mentioned in the last episode, I I have sworn away from doing. Tr- I've tried really hard not to incorporate anything sexual in my games. Um, that's definitely just like a D and D or a DM preference on my end. Um, I feel like that really takes away from things, you know. Um, well, and it makes people uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable, right? Um, there are some things that are tolerable. Obviously, you know, Tunican has like this massive schlong. And but that's for comedy sake. It's, it's for not, comedy's yeah. sake. And you know what? What's the ironic thing about it is it's so big that he can't actually like use yeah, it. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> the theory goes that if if Tunican were ever to get aroused, he would die because <laughs> all the blood would go from his body. Um so that that's always funny. But um I had a really interesting topic to talk about and I've been saving this one and I didn't talk to you about it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You were going to bring this up to me. Uh, yes. I have one other thing. Can you Throw hold it? it? Yeah, I okay. can hold it. Oh, okay. I'm we're, holding it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about things right now. I don't know how we got on the topic of things we dislike in D&D. Yeah. And, and this is one that I experienced very briefly, but it left such a lasting mark on me. Mm-hmm. People who couple up in games. Oh, you don't like that? No, it drives me nuts because then the game becomes, I'm going to protect her, or he's my hero, and not a team effort. It's mm-hmm. them and then everybody else. Yeah. And I think that's why I've appreciated like um, Jackie as a DM and, and a player. Is she's, you know, everybody, for the sake of everything, I like to be, everything is unisex. Yeah, you 100%. Um, and Jackie is basically a gremlin when it comes to D&D. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and I, I mean that in the best way possible, of course. I frequently refer to myself as a gremlin as well. So, um, But anyways, yes, you had a surprise for me. Yes, surprise. So... I was I was thinking about things and um, I was thinking about Baldur's Gate three and how that was Larian Studios' attempt at making a D and D game and the game is phenomenal as yeah most it would is say. a D and D game yeah it is and then I was thinking about it and I was like you could never really have a perfect D and D game because it's all about player imagination and obviously no type of software could just adapt to everything you want to do a perfect example is in Baldur's Gate three a lot of the spells had to be changed because you had to take that imagination element of what you could do with it out of the game. It had to be black and white. This is what you can use it for because here, let me just throw it to the perfect example. Heat metal mm-hmm. is had to be drastically changed in Baldur's Gate three. Um, and the reason being is, you know, if let's say a NPC has earrings, you couldn't possibly code in any normal manner of time, everything metal in that game and being able to heat it up and what that would do. And, 
you know, that was kind of a letdown for me. And then once you think about it, it's like, that makes sense. But <clears throat> in D&D, Heat Metal has so many fucking uses, and it is an invaluable spell. Yeah, 100%. And so anyways, I was thinking about this, right? There's no type of... It would take many lifetimes, many, many, many lifetimes to create a game of D&D that it could just have anything you wanted, right? Yeah. Um, right? I, I mean... I, I think you're right, um, and I think this is a topic for another time for the most part. No, but it's I, not. I'm, I'm, no, get, not, I'm not getting this. to it. No, no, no. I'm saying what you're yes. saying about making the perfect game for a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we are getting there, but I think it's all going to be AI-based. That's what I want. That's what I was going to talk about. Oh, okay. That's excellent. No, that's so good that you came to that conclusion because I was I was thinking about that, and that's why I was mentioning like no human could mm-hmm. ever do this. It would take many, many, many lifetimes, and then even then there'd be so many imperfections and bugs. I obviously am. I'm not obviously. I I am paranoid about AI, as I'm sure many people are. Like, t- put on your tinfoil hats, everybody. You know, like Skynet's coming. Yeah, sure. Right. Um, and you know if. If we could make an AI that could like fully adapt to D and D and just take everything from that, imagine how fucking rad that would be, right? I mean, I'm so that's what I wanted to talk about is AI in for the use of Dungeons and Dragons. So I think they're um, kind of getting there, actually. Really? Have you yeah. have you heard news about this? This was so, just like a, a project that not, popped into my head. Not about D and D specifically. But they are getting there with where you can have adventures with AIs. They, they might not have the D&D rules or the mm-hmm. characters, but you can get on certain AIs now and be like, hey, I want to go on an adventure. And they're going to basically DM this for you. Mm. And then you give them your answer and they're like, okay, well, this is what happens. This is how it happens. This is interesting. Um, so they are getting there. And it's funny that you bring up the AI thing mm-hmm. or the AI making games. I was just talking in the warehouse to somebody yesterday or the day before about like how it's just going to shut down all the game companies when it gets to a point where AI is so good that it can actually make visual video games. Sorry, my, my donkey was mewling for a second. Oh. For the it, background noise. It's oh, sorry, yeah. No, no, that, um, was, that was me. My, the, <laughs> but so once it gets to that point where AI is capable of doing this visual effect to it and like coding controllers and that kind of thing, I mean, just imagine, like in my case, you know, I an AI is out there, right? And I'm like you know what, today I want to play a Legend of Zelda game that's about this long, based in this time frame. These are the kind of things I want to happen. And it's just like, here's 20 minutes, it's made. Play really? It. I didn't know that. I think that's the future of D&D, honestly. Um, I think that's what they're trying to do, kind of, with uh, new D&D or whatever. It's D&D Next. Mm-hmm. I can't think of what it's called. D&D, D&D 6th edition, edition. Oh. It's supposed to be oh. all online, or more online. I actually have a coworker that got... I, <laughs> Richard and I work at the same <laughs> the same company, so I realize a coworker that is not Richard um, got access to the beta version of the next. That's what you're saying. The the, the next one, and I want to get my hands on that. Yeah, um, there seems to be some pretty cool things in it. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited for is there is an opposite race to tieflings now, like angelic. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what their names are, but that that's pretty exciting. It is exciting. I. All those lawful good people out there mm-hmm. fucking sweating in their uh, chastity belts. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Oh, nominee Padre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of um, in uh, the Holy Grail, Monty Python's the Holy Grail. When they're like, oh, 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 and then they have the tablets and they hit themselves in the head. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they do it again. <laughs> Slap. Um, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting and something we hadn't talked about before is like AI. Yeah, and, I mean in D and D. So I think D and D is the best source for that kind of gaming to take effect. D and D works so well online, just from a player standpoint, even a DM standpoint. Yeah. Well, you know, every once in a while, you know, the the local main DM wants to take their shoes off and wants to be a player, and in a lot of groups, fortunately we have a plethora of DMs in our play group. So it's yeah. like we, we can just rotate whenever we want. Um, but that's, that's so cool to just think about that, that, that is an option. I'm, I'm going to have to explore that a bit more. I, I didn't know there was already something in the works for that. Um, it, it's very basic. And I've only read about like, I, I know there's AIs that'll do adventures for you, but they're not D and D based. Yeah. That's well, still cool. To, um, the idea of being able to go on an adventure. But saying that, and the online aspect and how great it is. There is no, there, there's no like better way to do D and D than around a table with your friends. Yeah. 
That is the best feeling. Getting to see everybody laugh, everybody brings snacks, everybody brings yeah. drinks, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's like special events, you know, like during Christmas we we had something. Mm-hmm. Um, recently we've we've changed, Richard and I have changed our way of doing it because we used to do it in person and now we have players that are far, far away from us. Yes. And that is still cool about the tech technological age where we can you know hop in discord open roll 20 and um go just from play there yeah and just play uh from the comfort of our own homes um because you know it, it can get exhausting most people who play in D are probably antisocial, and so meeting up with a group of people every week or two weeks can be exhausting um you know refill that that gauge but even still it's really cool that you know there's so many different options to play D now you know, back in the 80s, you almost had to um, hide play D&D, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, and that's where it got its stigma, you know, the basement dwellers. Uh-huh. And yeah. Well, that, and also the fact that there was demons in it, you know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's, there's always a target, I feel like, for a religion to attack something. And D&D First Edition was a beast of its own. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, this, this was in Third Edition, I believe, but there is an enemy that one of its attacks could steal levels from a player. Yeah. <laughs> It was called like I think it was just called like a white. Yeah. Um, and they yeah they could they could steal levels from you. Yeah. Well, and uh, there weren't as many in, in old school D anD. Um, there wasn't as many like heal or resurrection spells. Mm-hmm. So if you died, you were pretty much just dead. You're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, to be fair, also there D anD. D has come a long ways for the, so many different ways. It, it's it's user friendly to everybody. Yeah. A good example is create. I believe it was create water. It didn't have the limitation of a place you could see. And um, for the, for those of you, it's not immediately obvious. You could create water in someone's lungs mm-hmm. um, and then they just drown. So that's OP because I'm pretty sure create water is like a fucking cantrip. Yeah. So for no spell slots, you could just kill a humanoid. And person. nobody would know. Nobody would know. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they saw you muttering. Yeah. <laughs> then then you're a fucking witch <laughs> and that's its own problem um but yeah it it's come a long ways uh and that's a, a good example of also just in Baldur's Gate how a lot of spells got changed and that was actually that actually burned me out on it I I haven't even passed act one on Baldur's Gate 3 I am just I don't know I'm kind of a wiener when it comes to that but like I I got heat metal and seeing heat metal, just like all you do is it just, it's a damage spell. That's all. Yeah. Whereas in D&D, there's so many other utilities to it. Um, oh my God. I beat Baldur's Gate like twice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I There's so many good games out there right now. Um, what, February 29th? Leap year. Yeah. The leap year episode. It's a leap year day. Congratulations to everybody born today. Yeah. Um, I actually just saw a news story about a lady that like, because leap years every four years, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Sorry, yeah. I don't know why I left you on like a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Um, she just celebrated her like twenty fifth birthday, and she's like a hundred years old or something like that. Yeah, I I just watched a video today. <laughs> it was from like a couple of years ago, but basically there's like a forty eight year old like miserable old dude, um, but his birthday was in a leap year, and so this girl's like. You didn't tell me your twelve-year-old cousin was like an old man. He's like, yeah, his birthday's on a leap year. It's the 29th. and she's like, she's like, oh, hey, hey, man, what do you like to do for fun? She, and he's just like, I'm a forty-eight-year-old man. And that—that's the end of the video. It's just so stupid, but I don't know. It made me funny. It made me funny. And game-wise, leap years-wise, uh, you know, Final Fantasy Rebirth came out today. The the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Why haven't you been playing it? I because the kids haven't been asleep. I have it downloaded. I'm literally stopping you from playing the sequel. You're yeah. gonna have to tell me what happens to the snake. That's all I'm interested in. Okay, the, the like, swamp snake. I, the swamp snake. If they don't have that, the game's trash. They do. It's in the trailer. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um, um. Anyways, this episode is not about Final Fantasy. No, that, it's not. That's coming later. And uh, we've gotten super derailed. Well, I guess we haven't because this episode's just generalized D and D. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Corey, Richard. <laughs> What, I don't know if we asked this last session. I don't think, or last episode session. See, we're talking about D anD D. Last episode, but and you don't have to make any names, and you can kind of change the story as needed. If unless I already asked it, but uh, what is what is the one thing that has pissed you off the most that a player has done? Yes, um, I I would always 
tell people that I don't get angry at people. I just get riled up. Anyone who knows me, whether it be uh, my superiors, my peers, my inferiors. Um, well, I don't like the way you looked at me when you said that. <laughs> um, they would all say that I'm, you know, I'm kind of the person they like to mess with because I get riled up. Um, that is a question that actually um, requires a bit of thought. And so I, I have one. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm trying to remember it. Oh, I know what it is. And this was recent. I know what it is, too. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> Does it involve a dragon? Oh, no. Oh. Tell no. me. Tell Does me. It? Yeah, irritate me. It, Tell me what it is. It involves a red light or two. Oh. Um, I mean, that's that's not a... That's a player mm-hmm. in your game. Yeah. Okay. So basically, we have. Um, but that, you don't have to use that one. I just thought that was the. No. One. That you know I, that doesn't really irritate me in 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 that sense. Okay. Um, so so basically, pre- the premise of this is that we had a player that is um, consistently late, um, and I, as a DM, I've never had to really deal with that, um, and especially since it's online, you know, and we, it's really hard to get play- players together, right? I mean, anyways, I could ramble on about this for a long time. Basically, the player is late all the time. And the way I handled it is number one, I I banned him from being in the the campaign for a couple of sessions, and I killed his character uh, <laughs> as well. And the way I killed it is, I, it was basically a group consensus. I gave I gave everybody the option of how I want him to die, and it was death by getting blasted. I'll use the term blasted by a, a an evil like tainted squirrel. Um, so he got blasted to death by a squirrel. Uh, yeah, use did. your use your imagination on that. That really it wasn't irritating in the sense that like it was pissing me off. It was irritating in the sense that as adults, we are all trying to find time to do something we love. And so it's a disrespect of not only my time, but everybody else's. And so it wasn't really that I was angry. It was that I was trying to find an appropriate way to handle a situation that wasn't just kicking him out because mm. I, I love this. I love this guy. Fair enough. Um, um, and so anyways, something that actually pissed me off in D&D where I was actually angry and um, yeah I saw red was actually um, it involved you Richard uh, you you had to um, feel the punishment for that one it had nothing to do with you uh, but my theory um, my kind of thought process of punishing players is the if they're reasonable human beings uh, the best way to punish them is not punishing them punishing everybody else because that makes them not want to fuck up. Yeah. Because, um, you know, they're like, yeah, I don't care if my fucking player dies. Whatever. Punish yeah, me. Yeah, it's the uh, army platoon thing. Like, somebody messes up, everybody else does push-ups. Yeah, exactly. If you guys have seen Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. You know, you guys owe me, like, 100 push-ups for one jelly donut. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the only one who doesn't have to do the push-ups. Well, like, he's eating the jelly donut. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, anyways, that that is a really good one because you don't want to fuck up because everyone else is going to pay for it. And you're not. Um, but anyways, Rich's character Tunican in the last campaign met his end, uh, fighting a dragon. I could go into infinite details about the situation of this long story short. Um, they, the argument arose about what a multi-attack, multi-attack entailed. Um, if they couldn't use one of their, oh yeah, one of their limbs in a multi-attack, then they couldn't multi-attack at all. So for this example, one of the dragons, um, could multi-attack with three different, um, you know, like two, two, two claws and a tail. Two claws and a tail, yeah. And so, basically, one of their claws get injured, and it's like, well, he can't multi-attack now. Yes, he can, motherfucker. <laughs> Anyways, uh, basically, everybody had the stats of this, what they thought it was pulled up. So they thought it was like a a dragon, um, and I had a homebrewed stat block for it. Um, and so they were arguing with me about this, and not not only were they like meta gaming. But they were like arguing with what it entailed, and they were wrong, and that just fucking pissed me off so bad. Like backseat is, they were trying to be helpful, um, and I realized that. But like the backseat DMing thing fucking goes so far up my ass. Like, <laughs> like oh okay, you know, like they're like we did two hundred damage to this thing. Shouldn't it be dead? Why the fuck do you think it should be dead? Oh well, I'm looking at this creature online. You know the the D and D handbook. It says it has 200 health. Oh fuck, fuck <laughs> you. And anyways, Richard's character ended up dying to this, and it was an evil thing I did because I love Richard's character Tunican, and 
again, it's learning as a DM. This is so important to take away the, the things you've done that obviously are wrong and owning up to it. But basically, I doubled this fucking stats on everything for this dragon. And Richard Richard had a fighting chance. Like, he was doing well fighting this dragon, even though he's a barbarian and he has no spells. He can't, he can't like, fight this flying dragon. He was doing very well and had a good chance at killing it. And then they started fucking backseat DMing me, and I was like, oh, you sons of bitches. And then I doubled the stats, and Richard's character just got fucking obliterated, and he died. And that's a learning experience for me. You know, um, and, and, and I'll give you this. Um, if Tuna Can is going to die anyway, to a dragon is a pretty good way. Yes. We, we didn't elaborate too much um, on the, the relation with that, but basically Tuna Can's character had like a dragon heart thing going on where um, the dragon was bound to him. Any damage dealt to the dragon hurt Richard, and any damage Richard received hurt the dragon. And... Um, and the dragon, mind you, the reason Tunican hated it, not because it was a dragon, but because it kept swallowing him mm-hmm. like mid adventure and then just dropping him somewhere else. Yeah. He gave Richard gave him indigestion. <laughs> but they were two soul they were one soul split you know, between two bodies. And um that dragon got like insulted all the time because he's like a little half soul bitch. Yeah. Um so it made him really angry and he, that's why he always tried to eat Tunican. But Richard, that was a lot of me talking about things that uh irritate me. Uh, yeah, throw it at me. Okay, what's so, something that really fucking? Oh, I, I I have one right right away. Um, so this one involves you, Corey. It was caused by you. I don't see that ever happening. Yeah, impossible. <laughs> um, and I don't. It wasn't intentional by any means, which is why I tried my best not to let it get to me. But it got to me so bad. So I ran a campaign that was like a special one shot. It was Mario RPG. Okay. <laughs> And everybody was given characters from Mario RPG, and Corey got Booster from Booster's Tower. Booster is the man. Uh, Booster is basically like the early iteration of Wario, yeah. except way stupid. Booster is like <laughs> a man-child. Um, um, so, and, and they're going through the campaign. Everything's going great. And then they get to the Toads. Um, Rose Town. Rose Town. And Booster just starts, like, murdering Toads. I wasn't, they, I'm pretty sure they were alive. So, uh, well, so okay. crippling. To, yeah, I was crippling them. So to clarify, Booster, um, the voice I decided to do for Booster was Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> so we got Booster coming into Rose Town where all these toads are just hanging out, living their own lives. But they're giving Booster the eye. Booster thinks they're suspicious. <laughs> um, and so he, he ended up starting to just fucking like. DDT wrestling crazy powerbomb moves yeah, on these and, toads. And and I want everybody to keep in mind these are toads. They're very like if you put them in D&D terms, they're like level 1 children. Okay. Like I said, Booster's a man child. He didn't know that. Okay. They're, they're sus, dude. So, anyways, um continuing. Corey went through this town and he was just I mean like even everybody else in the group was like, "Dude, leave the toads alone." <laughs> and uh you know, and I get it. He was in his character and I can appreciate that. I may have been drunk. He may have been drunk. Um, it was a very long session. It's one of the longest ones I've ever run. Um, but he kept doing this. And so out of that, like DM rage, that kind of power trip, I took a moment in this one shot to get back at Corey and I had the toads destroy booster tower specifically booster tower. Yeah. So boosters home is just a massive, massive wooden structure. Um, keyword wooden, (laughs) Uh, turns out wood is flammable, everybody. Um, but I remember, like, at first when you started, like, beating on the toads, I was like, ha, 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 it's kind of funny. And then you, like, leaned into it, and I was like, dude, stop. And then you kept going. I was like, Corey. It was funny. <laughs> and, you know, that was... Looking back, it was funny. But... Well, looking back, it was a learning experience for me <laughs> um, because it, like Jackie especially, it I know, like, you were getting irritated, but I... I could tell Jackie was getting really irritated as well um, because they, they wanted to progress. They wanted to get shit done. And I was like, obviously you're not going to get shit done when like a whole town of toadstools are <laughs> forming a lynch mob to take out booster. Um, so yeah, that I, you know what? That's a perfect example of like um, becoming like that main character. Right. And try and just like taking the campaign by the reins and not, thinking about the other players um i kind of had a moment like that and so it's like you're becoming what you once fought to defeat yeah um and so that yeah (laughs) right and that's so that's kind of a huge bitch move on my part and i i respect that uh i will say like 
every player goes through that. And I oh, think, yeah, I think that was my moment is playing booster and just like trying to take the campaign by the reins and backbreaking toadstools. And 100% every player goes through it, but I had not had the uh, chance to deal with that as a DM yet. That's actually really interesting. That, um, that's, that's never happened. I just yet. got really lucky with my groups. Yeah, and then you came across me being a bitch. Um, and I had you in the group prior to that as uh, Eshbone. Eshbone. Who's also super obnoxious. But not that that protagonist, you know. Um, and so it didn't bother me. But I don't know, man. Something about it. It got so under my skin that mm-hmm. I remember right after Rosetown, I had to like get up and step outside. And I think I said something like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. But yeah. it was just, I was like, I got to cool down. Man. I'm going to fucking rage. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's very respectful because you, you never really said anything to me up until now about it. Um, so that's, that's kudos to you for being level-headed and being, because I, I typically will call people out. I get, I get upset. I, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt for as long as I can Mm. possibly deal with it. And that, and that's one thing about D and D is you, you got to realize that there's several different players in there. And we've mentioned it last, uh, last podcast is some people are going to be more talkative than the others. There's some players that are naturally just going to be really quiet. It doesn't mean they're not participating. It means that they just, you know, they like to observe. They're like more like a cat. And I am one of those players who likes to talk a lot. I'm, I imagine like this podcast alone, I've done probably like 70% of the time. Yeah, probably. I, I, will, I just talk a lot. Um, and so when it comes to D&D, I really try to have those moments where I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Talking, you know, taking the reins a little bit. But there's several sessions where I'll be like, okay, it's time to take a backseat and let other people play. Um well, I know it's I, respectful. It's, yeah. You're trying to be respectful. And then sometimes, though, it, you it goes to your head and you just get so wrapped up in it. No, and I, I bet you, I bet you that in the campaign that we played as players together in Jackie's, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if she could tell stories about being pissed at both you and me because we're both very talkative yeah. in D&D, well, just I, taking over. I actually recall her being, we mentioned that, that story last podcast about the lunch lady mm-hmm. and how you and Chris... I have defiled her. I know you, you. You were part of that, Richard, because you, it was your it was your member that did the suffocating. It wasn't my turn. Yeah, it wasn't your turn. But anyways, I think that was a moment in Jackie's campaign that she was like fucking pissed at you guys because it's like <laughs> we're just trying to like she didn't want that character to die. Like she was she was a good NPC. Yeah, and so for us to go like full gremlin mode and just like defile her and do terrible things. I think that irritated And what her. you just said there um, stands out as what it really means to be a DM. She didn't want that character to die, but she allowed it to happen. Exactly, because that's what the players want. Exactly, and that that's really what it means to be a DM. You yeah. might not want something to happen, but if your players are dead set on it, they're you got to let them do it. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of just have to realize, like, there is no witnesses. And that's a big one that I've played into, um, where I, I kind of my bigger campaign that i've been running the last two years where there's the two different campaigns you know same universe yeah the one we totally won and everybody went home happy yes that one yeah but so the very first session of the first campaign um one of the players curb stomped a bandit that they had captured yeah they jesus i wasn't there for that no you weren't there for that but basically there was a brain dead bandit they there was brain dead assassin they tried killing them and um they defended themselves and one of them lived but with severe brain damage he was kind of like, you know, they bashed sure. his head into the floorboards pretty good. And, you know, actions have consequences. It's that mur- hope. I just had a stroke. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> that, that murder hobo mentality um, where you sure you, you have to be realistic about it. If you're going to kill an innocent person in the middle of the woods and no one's around to see it, it never happened. Yeah. If you kill in like what people would assume to be an innocent person in the middle of like the biggest city with people all around shit's going to yeah, happen. There's going to be problems. And so basically they, they curb stomped this uh, brain damage. I, I feel so awful to even just saying this, but they, they, they killed this guy. Um, and then an old lady saw, and then she started screaming bloody murder. And then session one of this campaign, <laughs> they got banished, exiled from the biggest city. Oh my of, God of the the world they were in and that had consequences they ended up going so off the rails because they were supposed to go frequently return to this castle you know how many times they went back to the castle after that one once at the very end to fight a demon like they never went back and they had to make deals with other people and that led into just 
the biggest clusterfuck. And that's, again, being flexible as a DM. Because that campaign did a full... The first session, I had everything planned out. Sure, a day in the city type of thing. Yeah. No. Total 180. (laughs) Now they're escaping from the city guard. And they can never go back there. You have to change your campaign. You got to think on your feet. Yeah. Because that... That was the hub. That was where they went back to. So oh, my God. Not, that's fantastic. Not no mole. So that brings up a couple things that I want to touch base on. First off, when we get video on here, I can't wait because I wish everybody else could have seen your eyes glaze over when you had that stroke. That was hilarious. <laughs> 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 like just mid-conversation and then blank. Oh, man. Um, but second off, this is every – there are so many different kinds of player arc archetype in D&D. And I'm not talking about the characters they play, but the person itself. And this is why it's so important to have a varied and different set of players. Because in a situation like that, you need to have a player that we call the uh, the, the good conscience player. The, guardian angel. The guardian angel. Yeah. Um, and, and this is just what it sounds like. It's the player with the group of mm-hmm. murder hobos that's like, you know what? Maybe this is a bad idea and we shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I feel like almost to a degree I've been typecast at this point because my first character was Eshbone who's just, you know, like a gremlin-ass character. Mm. Um, and then my next character was Booster. <laughs> and then um, I played a character. It was an Aarakocra. Um, and he started out as a true neutral. And then through the process of the campaign, he became slowly more and more evil because... That wasn't his fault. It that really was wasn't his fault. The world I, around him. I, you really have to come into your own about what type of character you want to play as because for me, as a as a, as a player... I feel like I don't do well being like lawful good or any of those lawful ones. Um, I've tried so many times. We've done one shots where I'm like a lawful good and I can't do it. I can't fucking do it. Like I just who I am as a person. I can't I can't role play that. I have to be you know, I can be a evil ass character and still have like be reserved and not be evil all the time. That's fine. But to play a good person like I sometimes in those games, it's like. No, I want to. I want to fucking kill this person. Like they deserve it. I'm gonna eat his toe. So whenever I picture like lawful good is a very hard character to play. It's the it's the exact opposite of chaotic evil, which is super easy. I would I would even say it's the hardest. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and the way I picture it, playing that type of character is I always try to play Superman, like Clark mm, Kent. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I, sorry to interrupt. You know what I think would actually be a harder thing to play? What? A harder um, what is that called? The alignment chart. Uh, the hardest alignment would be true neutral. True neutral is impossible. True neutral is so fucking hard because you literally either don't play or you're the gray people from Futurama. No, so so what I see is true neutral is it, it's not that impossible. I don't think. I think it's more or less like true neutral is like let's say you're hired to kill a bunch of kobolds from a city, right? And it's like these kobolds are wreaking havoc on our town. Go kill him. And then you get to the Cobalt camp, and then you manage to talk to him. And they're like, no, we're be actually being hunted. Um, you know, the reason we're attacking them is because they've been stealing, like, our hatchlings. And they've been eating them as a fucking delicacy. And so, obviously, we're going to raid their city. And then you have to make that decision to be like, okay, True Neutral says that th- you actually do have to do, like, the normal right thing. And you, you turn on... The kobolds and you attack the city with the kobolds and it, that that's part of being true neutral is like basically adapting to how it comes as the, like a proper situation that's I, how i look at it i as. can see true neutral being pictured that way that makes sense to me um the way i picture true neutral aside from being the gray aliens from futurama <laughs> um is like the flip of a coin every single decision mm. is the flip of a yeah, coin i don't care yeah yeah whatever it's it's literally like you know the king says hey go on this quest it's tail, sorry. Yeah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I don't feel like it today. My my back hurts. Yeah, that's true neutral to me. Hmm. I like that. That's that's actually a really good um that's a good explanation of it. I I, I could go with that. Um That's pretty cool. <laughs> with that being said, we are just about out of time. Uh we're just pushing the hour mark. Oh. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. You know, for for a 48 hour <laughs> 48 hour podcast. Oh my god, I'm having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> the eyes I'm glazed over my, again. Yeah, I'm choking on my own spit. Can't um, that, uh, I was going to say... Uh, I believe that's called dry drowning. Wild. Corey, yeah. Yeah. is there anything else you'd like to say before we close out this no, episode? I don't, I don't think so. I think we had some pretty good conversations about D&D as a whole. Um, yeah. I think, you know, if you're... I think I said this last podcast, but just get get your hands wet. 
you know. Yeah, jump, whether, jump in. If you're if you have never played D and D before, play D and D. If you've never been a DM, try DMing. And if God forbid you've only ever been a DM, please play. Please play a player. Be nice to yourself. Yeah, be nice to yourself. Don't don't <laughs> don't do that to yourself. Don't be the forever DM. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode. Um, that's all I got. Yeah. Hey, you guys have a great night and uh, go play some Hell Divers too. It's a great game. Hell yeah, brother. Democracy. Democracy.